Hi, this is Giles. I appreciate you tuning into this podcast and thank you for supporting our ministry campaigns. It's my prayer that these podcasts will help you to experience God's very best in every area of your life. Well, I'd like to greet all in the grace and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And today I'd like to share with you about how true sons stay at home. You know, the sign that shows whether someone is a true son or not is the fact that they stay at home. They like home. You know, and speaking of sons, I'm referring specifically to those who have been born again, those who have genuinely been regenerated by God. You see, not everyone in the house is necessarily a son. Not everyone who sits in a church building is necessarily a true believer. And if they're not, then at some point, they will leave the Father's house. They'll leave home, so to speak. And Jesus said this in John 8 and 35. He said, And a slave or a servant does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. In other words, the slave or the servant, he's he's there for a while, but then he leaves. Now, I want to show you three people who did not stay in the Father's house, but who left And I want to show you why and how that's important for us to consider today. Now, the first one, going right back to the beginning of time and the beginning of the Bible, is Adam. Okay, he didn't stay in the garden. Why? Because he wasn't a true son. You see, if he had eaten from the tree of life, he would have become a son and therefore stayed in the garden, stayed at home. But because he ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he was expelled. He didn't stay home. You know, sometimes when we think of those two trees that God placed in the garden, we tend to focus our attention on the fact that God gave them a test. But it was much more than a test. It was actually an opportunity for Adam to choose to receive the life of God within him. You see, God is life. And the tree of life was Adam's way of receiving God's life to take what was of God through choice and make it his own. See, God couldn't force Adam to do that. Love never forces, but love gives choices. You see, if Adam had done that, he would have been born again. And in a sense, the new birth has nothing to do with sin. Just as with him, for us to fulfill God's purpose, we need to receive God's life inside of us. And that happens when we choose him and we become born again. See, the new birth isn't a matter of changing your behavior or your habits, but it's a matter of receiving God's life, a life that we didn't have before. That's why I like to say there are two types of people on planet Earth. There are those who have been born once and there are those who have been born twice. You're born once physically, but you're born the second time spiritually. You see, the life that you've received from your parents isn't uh, eternal life. It's not the God kind of life. It's physical life, natural life. See, the life of God is called Zoe. It's the uncreated life of God. It's his eternal nature that you can receive when you're born again. It's not bios, which talks about the natural life, or even psyche, which talks about mental life. It's Zoe, which points to the life of God. And that was on offer to Adam. And indeed, that's what's on offer in Christ to us. And it's by eating, okay, by eating from the tree of life, Adam could have received that nature and that life. 
and so too today. We become children of God, true sons, when we eat from Christ. He is the bread of heaven. Let me explain that a little bit more. In Luke chapter 24, there are two disciples, you'll remember, who were walking towards the village of Emmaus. <clears throat> and the Lord Jesus himself approached them and went with them. <clears throat> then the Lord asked them what they were talking about, and they told him about Jesus who had just been killed by the authorities. However, at the time, they didn't recognize that they were talking to the Lord himself. You see, the Lord was now living in his resurrected body. This body wasn't known to them or to anyone. It was now his glorious body that would incorporate in some wonderful and mystical way the whole church. And that's why Mary Magdalene doesn't recognize him at his graveside and Peter didn't recognize him when he saw him on the shores of Galilee. But as these two disciples walked along, not knowing who this other man was, Jesus began to expound the scriptures to them and he showed them what was written uh, in all the law and the prophets about himself. And so when they arrived at the village of Emmaus, uh, they obliged him to enter a house with them. And just at that moment when they sat down and the Lord broke bread, suddenly the scripture says that their eyes were opened and they recognized that it was the Lord. I'm going to read that little section for you. Luke 24, 30 and 31. And the scripture says, Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And in that moment, he vanished from their sight. You see, the expression used here is, Then their eyes were opened. <clears throat> and that's the same expression that was used for Adam and Eve when they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There! It also says that their eyes were opened in Genesis chapter 3. In the Old Testament, the Adam and Eve, they ate the wrong food and had their eyes open to sin. But now in the New Testament, the disciples eat the right food and their eyes are opened to see the author of life, Jesus Christ himself. See, the disciples' eyes were opened when? When the bread was broken. Hallelujah. And when we see life, Likewise, we are born again. When we realize that Jesus is the bread of life, we are born again. When we eat of him, we receive something into us, <coughs> excuse me, that brings his life into us. And now we're no longer to know the Lord in the flesh. Jesus disappeared. Why? Because now our eyes are opened in the spirit. Okay. Now we commune with him at a deeper level, spirit to spirit. You see, Adam didn't eat of this life, and that's why he was expelled from the garden, from home. Why? Because the Father's house is ultimately for his children only. Uh, those who have the same kind of life, the same kind of nature, the same kind of heart as the Father. And to understand this, we need to think of the new birth as a change of kingdom or realm. See, a kingdom tells us uh, at least three things. A kingdom is a sphere of influence, a place where a sovereign reigns, it has a king of his kingdom. Secondly, it's a group of people that are subject to that king. For example, I'm a, a British guy, I'm part of the United Kingdom because I have British parents and was born there, and so I'm part of that kingdom, I'm a subject to that kingdom. So too with the kingdom of God, those who are born into that kingdom are subjects. 
And the third thing is that uh, a kingdom speaks of a change of, or, or a type of nature. For example, we talk about the animal kingdom, the mineral kingdom, and the vegetable kingdom. And so the kingdom of heaven involves all those three aspects. It's a place where we will go, okay? It's a, also a group of people uh, to which we now belong uh, that recognizes Jesus Christ as Lord and King. That's the kingdom. But also, it's a change of nature. Just as vegetables belong to the vegetable kingdom and minerals to the mineral kingdom, you see, only children of, the only children of God are those who have been born in the spirit. They've become spiritual beings. And those are the ones that belong to the kingdom of heaven, which is a spiritual place. See, the new birth is really a change of nature. Uh, your nature is what you do spontaneously without anyone having to teach you. You don't need to teach a dog to bark because it has the nature of a dog. That's what makes it bark. In the same way, you don't need to teach a sinner to sin. He'll do it spontaneously because it's part of his nature. And when we receive the new nature of God at the time of the new birth, there's no need now for anyone to teach us how to do good. Right? It will come naturally to us. Once you've changed nature, that's the thing that changes what you do and how you behave. See, it's a heart issue, not a behavior issue. Now, the second uh, example that I want to give you of the person who didn't stay at home is Cain. You see, Cain uh, was also actually expelled. He didn't stay at home because he didn't believe in the need for a blood sacrifice. The second example of someone who left the house or was expelled I want to give today is Cain. You see, he didn't, he didn't stay. Why? Because he didn't believe in the need for a blood sacrifice. I'm going to show you that in the scripture. And so too today, people who believe in their own righteousness rather than in the righteousness that comes through the death of Christ, through the blood of Jesus, these people who believe in their own righteousness or are self-righteous, in the end, they won't want to stick around with those who believe in righteousness through Christ. Now, thinking of Cain, many people think that uh, worship is the clearest sign that somebody's been genuinely born again. But in this story of Cain and Abel, we see that both brothers were actually worshippers. But the real issue wasn't whether they were worshipping or not, but how they worshipped or how they approached God in worship. And so too today, you can have a lot of people jumping and singing, but the real issue is, what are they trusting in? You see, when we come before God, we have two options. Either we come without any sin, or we bring blood with us to cover us from our sin. God is holy. He lives and dwells in inapproachable light. So either you have to be perfectly holy, or you have to bring blood that washes you to make you holy. And if you cannot come without sin, then you'll have to have blood with you. And whilst Abel offered a sacrifice of blood, the scripture says that Cain offered a grain sacrifice. And so Abel's sacrifice of a lamb showed his dependence upon the death of another to approach God. But Cain's sacrifice of grain showed that he was depending upon his own strength, the force of his own work in the fields, and of his own goodness, ultimately. Think with me now and remember that after an Adam and Eve had sinned and they realized that they were naked and went and hid from God and then made clothes of fig leaves to cover themselves, 
You'll remember that God then killed a lamb and with its skin, its hide, made clothes for them because the fig leaves didn't cover them. See, the lamb that was killed then points to the Lord Jesus Christ and revealed to Adam and Eve those first men to, in order to come before God, in order to commune with God, blood needs to be shed. And since Eden, the lamb had to die so that man could be saved. You see, Revelation 13 and 8 says that the lamb of God was slain since the foundation of the world. And that's why I believe that there in Eden, actually, that first lamb was slain, pointing to Christ. It's the only way God could uh, uh, commune with man. And he desperately wants to. He made us for that purpose. So he himself resolves the sin problem of Adam and Eve. They couldn't do it themselves. They were still exposed. They were still naked. They were still impure. But through the sacrificial work of the Lamb, they were able to re-establish that communion with God. Now, after they left Eden, Adam and Eve had two children, Cain and Abel. Uh, no doubt Adam would have taught both of those sons this principle, that they needed blood sacrifice to commune with God. But for some reason, Cain refused to come before God in the way that had been established through blood. You see, when we accept God's way, we recognize that we are sinners, that we need blood to cover us. However, Cain didn't do this. He brought the Lord a grain offering, which there was no blood. Okay, So he rejected God's way. Abel, in turn, brought a lamb, which points to the Son of God, who shed his blood for us. So when a man brings a bloodless sacrifice, effectively he's saying, I'm not a sinner. I don't need blood to cover myself. I don't need uh, the innocent to die for me. I'm not a culprit. I'm not guilty. In fact, by my own performance, I can satisfy God. And the scripture says that this is the way of Cain in the book of Jude, chapter 1. It's a religion based on human works, on self-righteousness. It's a rejection of the Lamb, a rejection of Christ. And people who believe like that, you see, they're very different to those who believe in the need of a savior, of a blood sacrifice. And see, and when you have people who believe like that, actually, they're thrown out of the house. There's no place for those in the house who ignore the need for the blood of Jesus. See, when you ignore that need, you're not born again. And this means you still carry the old sinful nature. And you can see this manifesting in Cain, who was possessed by envy of his brother. Scripture says he was envious of him when he saw that God accepted Abel's sacrifice, but rejected his sacrifice. You see, there's something terrible, terrible about envy. The Lord said that the ones who are envious don't remain in the house. Servants don't remain in the house. Why? Because servants ultimately become jealous of sons. And I believe that Lucifer attacked man because of envy. In Isaiah 14, we read that the devil wanted to be like the Most High. However, he wasn't. He wanted that. But when he went to the Garden of Eden and saw man, he saw that man had been made in the image and likeness of the Most High. He found somebody there uh, who had the position that he wanted. And so envy led the devil to destroy to try and destroy the image of God in man. That's why he has raged and waged war against us ever since then. The third example I want to give you is that of Ishmael. He didn't stay with his father. And, you know, uh, if you remember again the story, 
Ishmael lived at home for a while, but ultimately he was rejected. Abraham's wife Sarah ruled he couldn't stay alongside her son Isaac. And if you remember the story, Abraham had two sons. In his desperation to become a father, he had slept with his wife's maid, Hagar, and she had given birth to Ishmael. Later, under the sovereign hand of God, his wife Sarah, his true wife, when she was old and barren, was suddenly rejuvenated and gave birth to Isaac, the son of promise. You see, Ishmael was not the son of promise or the son of grace, but of effort, of man's strength. He's symbolic of those who don't understand grace and the power of God. Uh, and therefore, these ones cannot stay in the house of God. In God's house, there's only room for children who are born by grace. You see, servants may stay for a while, but in the end, they'll have to leave because the house is only for children. Uh, they don't like to hear of grace because they base their lives on their own effort and righteousness. They don't like to hear that they don't deserve to be blessed. This is an affront to their nature, to their ego. So they hate, ultimately, the message of Christ. They think they're good enough. They don't need Christ. See, when Adam was driven out of the garden, the Lord told him that he would have to plant, that the land would produce thistles and thorns, the harvest would be difficult and laborious. And likewise, when Cain was expelled, the Lord told him that when you till the ground, it will no longer yield its strength to you. In other words, the seed would wither in the soil. And now here, when Ishmael was expelled, the Lord said that he would live in the wilderness, in the dry and desert places of the earth. Well, here, there wouldn't be any sowing and reaping at all. And all this shows that there's no real life outside of the home, outside of God's presence. It's at home that we enjoy bread, the bread of the Father, of His presence, hallelujah. But the home is only for children, for those who have been born again. In chapter four of Galatians, Paul speaks of Abraham's two wives. He says, Sarah, called Sarah and Hagar, huh? and he says that both these wives are symbolic. Hagar represents the law, which brings bondage, okay, but Sarah, points to God's grace, brings freedom. In fact, in Galatians chapter 4, Paul wrote these words. He said, which things are symbolic for these other two covenants? The one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which is now and is in bondage with her children. See, Hagar symbolizes Mount Sinai, which represents the law. And so Hagar literally represents the law. But Sarah, she represents the heavenly Jerusalem. She represents grace. And only those who are sons of grace are the sons of God, for it's by grace that we are saved. So everything that comes from Mount Sinai produces slavery, but everything that comes from, uh, from, the, from, from the other mountain, uh, Mount Zion, is is free it's born by grace hallelujah so the question isn't whether abraham is your father but whether sarah is your mother are you the son of law or of grace how can you know if you're the son of hagar really it's very simple those who are the children of law of the law live by their own efforts they trust in their own righteousness they're always trying to earn god's blessing by keeping god's commandments because of this genesis 21 and 10 uh, Sarah says to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman, uh, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely Isaac. Friend, give up walking in your own strength. 
Give up thinking that you are able to merit things from God. Come and receive grace and become the son, a true son of God and live in his house. So to conclude, think with me here. True children, uh, they love to be at home. And true children, even if they might be tempted outside of the home for a while, they always return home. Listen to what the Apostle John said. He said, if someone doesn't stay in the house, it's because he's not a son. The proof that we're children is that we stay home. John, 1 John 2 and 19 says, They went from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. So those who are not true sons do end up leaving. But like I said, that doesn't mean that occasionally children may stray and leave the house. But the truth is, at some point, they return. And the prodigal son is the classic example of that. And he left home and lived a dissolute life. However, at no time was he afraid to return home. He even thought that he didn't deserve to be treated like a son anymore, that he was totally wrong. The scripture tells us that the father received him with a great feast. You see, there are those who are born again and have a new nature. Uh, if they have that, they will always return home, even if they make wrong decisions. They just may need to eat some pig food, like the prodigal, till they come to their senses and they realize, hang on, I wasn't born for the pigsty. I was born again for my father's house. Hallelujah. So if you know somebody like that, be like the father in this story who waited patiently, prayed and kept his eyes on the horizon because he knew his prodigal son would come home. You know, sadly, there are those in our churches who come to serve but have not yet become sons. You see, they're not yet born again. But today's the day, my friend, to eat of the tree of life if you've never done that. If you don't, then sooner or later you'll get upset with God and with the church because you feel you've given so much and received so little that you, you'll compare yourself with others and you feel like you deserve more than another person got. You'll leave in envy and disgust, disgust when you see people less deserving than you being more blessed than you. And that was the problem with the prodigal's elder brother. He was a son in the house, but he never learned to be a true son. Uh, so he was envious when his undeserving brother got blessed. Couldn't understand why his father would bless such a wayward son. And he judged himself to be better than his brother. But the prodigal was not blessed because of his goodness, but because of his father's goodness. Hallelujah. So too with all of us today. See, when you see this, you'll love being in the father's house and want to stay there with others who have the same nature. Come and join us today if you've never done that. Come to God not on your own merit, uh, not through your own righteousness, but through the righteousness that comes through trusting in the blood of the Lamb. As soon as you do that, you'll receive a new nature. And that nature will love to be around other born-again believers that will love the church environment. Why? Because that's where the Father's presence is. That's where the bread of life is. Home is where Daddy is. Home is where the Father is. And that's where true children, true sons, always like to be. Pray this word today was an inspiration and a confirmation for you. And if you've never actually uh, trusted in the Lord as your own Savior, if you've never been born again, then I'm going to invite you to do that today after this broadcast. Be blessed in Jesus' name. If you have never personally accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, 
pray these words after me. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins and ask you to wash me clean with your blood. Give me a new heart and a fresh start. Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. Now that you have prayed that prayer, we believe that you are saved. Get in touch with us at thegreatmission.org to receive your free digital booklet, Welcome to the Family. The ministry of Giles Stevens is maintained by the prayers and financial support of monthly partners. More and more people are looking up rather than around for answers to life and are open to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wherever the ministry is holding campaigns, thousands are responding and seeing real life transformation. Would you consider joining us taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to the nations by a monthly contribution, no matter the amount? Friends, together we can fill God's throne room with people from every tribe, nation and tongue. That's the vision we have for all of our partners, that in the future when we stand before the Lord, we will be able to celebrate together when we see people from all nations coming in as a result of your support. So if you'd like to become a partner of the ministry, please visit us at www.thegreatmission.org. Thanks again for tuning in. Remember to subscribe and to share this podcast with a friend so that God's kingdom can keep growing in you and through you. God bless you.